Welcome to Parents Perspective. Now what am I supposed to do? Annalee moaned to her best friend, Kira. When Leanne is frustrated, nothing helps. She just flails about and wails loudly. I feel like doing the same thing, too. Kira put a gentle hand on her friend's arm. You know, two-year-olds are like that, she reminded Annalee. I remember when Kyle was two, I thought I would lose my mind. Then what did you do? Annalee whined. I just don't have any patience for this stuff, she sighed. How did our parents cope? Well, for starters, Kira began staring into her coffee mug. I think our parents either had their parents or siblings or someone around for advice, or they had all those child-rearing books. She paused. That was before there was blogging on the Internet. I guess, Annalise smiled wanly. It's just that I always thought some people, like my mom, for instance, were always cut out to be parents. She shook her head. Why is this such a hard job to learn? From a parent's perspective, how do we, and how can we, grow into our jobs as parents? I'm Sandy Burt. And I'm Linda Perlis. Our guest has visited with Parents Perspective before, and we are delighted to be able to work with him again on this important topic. Dr. Wade F. Horn, a Ph.D. in clinical child psychology, is now a director in Deloitte Consulting LLP's public sector practice, focusing on helping state governments provide effective and efficient health and human services that are client-focused and compliant with federal laws, regulations, and reporting requirements. Prior to this, he served as Assistant Secretary for Children and Families within the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, where he oversaw federal programs aimed at improving the well-being of children and helping families achieve self-sufficiency, including welfare, child welfare, adoption, child support, Head Start, child care, and refugee resettlement. Dr. Horn was president of the National Fatherhood Initiative, whose mission is to improve the well-being of children by increasing the number who grow up with involved, committed, and responsible fathers. He lives in Maryland with his wife and two grown daughters. Welcome back to Parents Perspective, Dr. Horn. It's great to be back with both of you. It's been too long. Thank you. What do you consider the biggest myth about parenthood? I think the biggest myth from my perspective is that the goal is to become your children's friend. And, you know, a lot of parents think that what I want to be is my child's best friend. And I'm not saying that parents shouldn't be friendly with their children, that their children shouldn't see them as someone they can come and confide in and and have fun with. But the goal of a friendship is different than the goal of being a parent. The goal of a parent is to, of course, love your children with all your heart and soul, but also to help them grow up into being productive, capable, and able adults. And that's not the way we treat our friends. I mean, could you imagine if we went to our friends and said, gee, you know, you didn't finish your supper and so you can't get any dessert <laughs> while you're out in a restaurant. Um, you know, that doesn't, wouldn't work. Uh, so the idea here is that really the work of parenting is so important because what you're really doing is rearing the next generation of adults. And that's your job. And along the way, you should have fun. You should have a terrific relationship with your kids. And as they grow older, that relationship and the quality of that will change. You know, when your child is 30, you don't want to tell them that they have to go to bed early if they don't finish their dinner either. But the goal of parenting is really to help the child grow up well, healthy, 
happy and into able adults, and not so much just to become their friend. So what is the biggest challenge in this relationship? Well, I think the biggest challenge is keeping the rest of the stresses in your life away from your relationship with your kids. You know, we all live very stressful lives these days. And so often the stress that we feel at our work or in other parts of our life kind of flow over into our parenting. And it interferes with our best intentions in terms of how it is that we would like to parent our children. And so I think that one of the things that we need to be very aware of is how those kinds of stressors in the rest of our life can affect the way that we interact with our children and to try to keep our kids a bit insulated from that. A second challenge is, it seems to me, keeping your other relationships healthy. And this is particularly important when you're married and you have children. You know, a lot of couples, before they have children, they're really focused on each other. Then a child is born, and suddenly their focus, rightfully so, gets diverted, or at least a piece of their attention gets diverted to their kids. And then they start to neglect the relationship with their spouse. And it's said that the three biggest stressors in a married couple's life is money, in-laws. My daughter's just got uh, engaged, so I hope that's not (laughs) always true. Um, And then thirdly is children, actually. It's a very stressful event for marriages. And so another challenge is keeping your other relationships, particularly if you're married, your married relationships strong, and keeping at least a piece of your attention focused on that relationship and not so exclusively just on your children. It's not always easy. Oh, it's not easy at all. <laughs> Especially for young parents. <laughs> you, know, it's, it's a, uh, you know, parenting can be a very exhausting experience and an experience that can be really wonderful and terrific and, and all of that, but also in some ways overwhelming and very intense. And so being able to also step back and be able to say, hey, some of what I need to give to others, I need to give to other than my children, like my spouse, is really an important thing to keep in mind. When we first become parents, what do you think is the biggest shock? Well, I'll tell you what the biggest shock for me was, and I can't say that this is the biggest shock for everybody, but I think a lot of men in particular are surprised by this. When my first child was born, I was surprised of how utterly and totally in love I fell with that child at that moment. I was engrossed. In fact, psychologists talk about engrossment as a principle of parenting when a child is born. And I was unprepared for that. I mean, I knew I would love my children. I knew that, you know, all of that, and I knew it would change my life in some ways. (laughs) But the reality of how engrossed I was with my child and just the sight of that child, the first moment my daughter appeared was really a, a life-changing event. Now, on the other flip side of that, some people are shocked that they don't have that experience with their child, and that can cause depression, for example. So I'm not suggesting that there's something wrong with you if you don't have that engrossment. But for me, as a father, that was my biggest surprise. I think for others, it may be the opposite that they don't feel that sense of engrossment and they start to worry there's something wrong with me as a parent. And one of the things that we have to do is understand that having a child is a wonderful experience, is also a stressful experience, and everybody kind of experiences it a little bit differently. We'll take a short break now and be right back to continue our discussion with Dr. Wade Horn on parenting as a growth experience. The popular book, Raising a Successful Child, Discover and Nurture Your Child's Talents, 
by Sandra Burt and Linda Perlis is available at all major bookstores and on the web. Welcome back to Parents' Perspective. We are talking with Dr. Wade F. Horn about parenting, a growth experience. I know I had been around other newborns, but when I first had my own newborn 41 years ago, I remember vividly thinking, oh my God, he's totally dependent on us. He's very tiny. He can't do anything unless we help him. Most things he can't do unless we help him. And he takes so much work. I didn't realize that all day and half the night, I would be taking care of this baby. Somehow I just didn't realize that. I used to describe it as the most fun I've ever had being totally and utterly exhausted all the time. Yes, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) They say the only two jobs that there's absolutely no training for are being president of the United States and being a parent. Yes. On the job training, both of them. Yeah, you know, that's exactly correct. And I think that a lot of people assume that parenting should come naturally. They sort of assume two things. One that should come naturally, and two, I'm going to do it differently than my own parents did. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy that one. (laughs) Uh, And the fact of the matter is that we aren't born innately good or bad parents. We learn a skill of parenting along the way. And as a psychologist, I know that one of the ways that we learn is through something called observational learning. That is, we learn through observing others. Now, what are the parenting models that we are most used to observing? Our parents. And so it's not at all unusual that we actually start to parent like our own parents did. Now, that can be good. And there are many things that I'm sure that all of our parents did that were wonderful and terrific. And there are some things that we might want to change. And so that's where challenging yourself to learn different skills and reading parenting books, going to parenting classes. There's nothing wrong with that. And as an author of, uh, <laughs> of a couple of parenting books myself uh, and someone who, you know, took parenting class when my children were young, even though I'm a child clinical psychologist, there's nothing wrong with challenging oneself to develop the skills necessary to be as involved, loving, and responsible a parent as one can. So what do we need within ourselves to be a good parent? Well, that's that's an interesting (laughs) question. You know, I think that what we have to do is, first of all, understand what the goal is of parenting. Again, not to be a friend, but to help this child grow. And then secondly, to understand that this is not something that naturally comes to us. That's something that we learn. Uh, One way or the other, we learn how to be a parent. And sometimes we learn good things and sometimes we learn not so good things. And so we need to be able to be challenging enough of ourselves internally to be able to be open to other ideas about how one parents and be open to other experiences about how it is that maybe we can learn new skills and not just assume that, gee, this is the way, you know, I was brought up and this is the way my kids are going to be brought up. And there may be good things about the way you were brought up, but there may be other things that you want to learn and to challenge yourself and have that serenity and maybe humbleness to uh, learn some new skills or sharpen skills that you already have. So it's okay not to know all the answers. That's exactly right. You know, and to be open about to talk to your friends. I remember when I was a young father, my wife worked with someone who later became one of my best friends. And we became best friends because, this is a true story, my wife and this guy's wife, we both had kids just about the same age. They were maybe about six, seven months old. And they 
They said, we're going to go out, have a girls' night out. You guys are going to take care of the kids. And so we took care of the kids, and we were there. And first of all, it was nice to know they had the confidence in us to leave their children with us. Since they were also yours. And they would survive, you know, the evening (laughs) without uh, too much harm done. But it really became a bonding experience for me and this fellow who I said, you know, he's become one of my best friends. And I've known, you know, we're still friends for 30, (laughs) 31 years now. And a lot of the questions we have about our own selves around parenting, we would ask and share with each other. So I think it's also important to have a a network of people around you that you can go to and, and share experiences with, and particularly when things are challenging because I think they can be a sort of safety valve or release valve for you when things become tough. And every parent has moments when it's tough. And I think we have to be open to that. I think we have to accept that sometimes we are going to have to take advice or we are going to have to ask for help. And sometimes when our children start to talk, which doesn't take very many years, we're going to have to listen to them and either learn from them. I witnessed a very interesting interchange between one of my sons and his daughter who was playing a game that he thought was beneath her mathematically. He said he knows that she can do a whole lot more than that, but she was having so much fun. And he said, that's really not the kind of game you should be playing. I want you to turn that off right now. It was something I had gotten from a school and put on my iPad, and I was showing it to her. She'd never seen it. And she cried, and she turned it off. And a little bit later, she said, I think we need to talk about that game. I was having fun. Is there something wrong with just having fun? So he said, how long do you think you should play a game like that that has no challenge or any extra dimensions to it? And she said, how about 10 minutes? And he said, how about five minutes? And she said, okay. So I turned the game back on. She played it. And her one part of her argument was, someday I'm going to want a driver's license. And this game involves steering. (laughs) (laughs) It was very funny. But I was pleased to see that he at least listened to her. Uh We are guides. We aren't necessarily the boss, although we all know deep down we're the bosses. But we're guides, and we have to listen sometimes to what the person we're guiding needs. You know, when my oldest daughter was three, there was a time during clinical child psychology training where they had this idea that children should never be directed to do anything. They should discover, you know, everything for themselves, which frankly is not an idea that I think is a good one because there are times we have to be directive. But I learned this actually from my daughter. So she was three and I was trying to help her discover that it would be a good idea to pick up her toys. Uh, and, I, and so, she, you know, as I could see, she was getting increasingly frustrated with me. And then finally she looked at me. She put her hands on her hips and she said, Daddy, if you want me to do something, just tell me and I'll do it. Oh, uh, wonderful. <laughs> and I said, well, how about we clean up our toys? She said, fine. And she cleaned up her toys. Uh, so, you know, our, our kids funny. can also be teachers, can't they? What characteristics or ingredients need to be in the environments around us? Well, I do think that it's important for us to have a social support network around us as parents. One of the things we know from the literature around child abuse is that uh, persons who engage in child abuse invariably have very, very restricted social networks. They have no place to turn to when things get tough. And so when they're starting to feel overwhelmed, they can't go to someone and say, help me. And instead, they get overwhelmed and they can unfortunately lash out at their children. 
So one of the things that's really critical in parenting is make sure you maintain a social support network, not just with your spouse, but even outside of the home, whether that's with relatives and friends, but keep that network alive and well. It's going to be a really important piece to keep you centered, kind of a release valve so you're not overwhelmed. So I think that's a really important ingredient of healthy parenting is having that strong social support network and not feeling like you have to do it all yourself. And it's okay to share when things really throw you. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a television show with Tim Allen, Home Improvement, and there was the neighbor. You never saw his face, but he was over the hedge. And when Tim was feeling overwhelmed about something or confused about something, he invariably went to the backyard and he spoke to his neighbor and his neighbor gave him advice. Now, I wish I had a wonderful neighbor like that you know, next to me every time, I, wherever I lived, because he always seemed to have the perfect advice. But the idea that you could go to a neighbor, that you could ask a neighbor advice, you could share with them a frustration that you're having is really important in order to keep yourself centered and, and not overwhelmed by what can be a very challenging task. You know, parenting, again, is a wonderful experience. It's terrific, you know, and it completely changed my life. And to this day, that is one of the most extraordinary experiences is me being a parent, which continues, by the way, even when your kids get older. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, it can be hard and it can be challenging. And so we need to make sure we have those social supports when we need them. We'll take a short break now and be right back to finish our discussion with Dr. Wade Horn on parenting as a growth experience. Parents' perspective needs you, your feedback, your opinions, and not least, your donations that help with the cost of producing this award-winning program. Visit us online at www.parentsperspective.org and click on to give direct, I give, or eBay at Mission Fish. Please help us continue to help you. Thank you. Welcome back to Parents Perspective. We're talking with Dr. Wade F. Horn about parenting, a growth experience. I have two daughters-in-law who went back to work when their children were three months old, first child, second child. And I remember before that time, each of them seemed to manage to find in the community groups of other new mothers. One had something where they met every Monday at some restaurant with the little babies, and they shared experiences. Not a whole lot of structure, just people to talk to, to listen to. And to this day, they still talk about their mommy friends, and they're still close to those mommy friends. Those were the first friends they made when they became mommies. Mm -hmm. Very, very valuable. You know, I think that, and I don't want to sound too uh, gender stereotypical here, but I think that women have a different comfort level in terms of seeking out those kinds of Mm -hmm. supports and social networks. I think guys have a harder time with that. That's at least my experience. And, you know, I used to run the National Fatherhood Initiative, And one of the things that is kind of a truism about guys, although obviously very stereotypical, is that guys don't like to stop and ask for directions. (laughs) Uh, And so that also, I think, rolls over into, you know, it's harder, I think, for some guys anyway, to reach out and ask for support and advice when it comes to parenting. And so I think that guys have to work a little bit harder at that and be aware that that is a tendency, you know, I I can deal with this on my own, you know, sort of the Gary Cooper, rugged individualism. I think guys need to challenge themselves to understand that all of us need support and that it's okay to reach out, ask for advice, ask for support. 
Well, and that it doesn't mean that you're a bad parent. And I think guys, it seems to me, particularly define themselves a lot by their skills. And we all do to a certain extent. And I think when you're just trying something to think that you can't do it and other people are watching, and if the child is having a tantrum or something's going on, then it must be your fault. If you were only a better parent, this child would be fine like the other children in the supermarket or whatever. Well, my children never had temper tantrums. <laughs> my children always obeyed everything I said, right? Uh, obviously not true. I mean, every child tests the limits. I mean, that's a piece of what children do. They test the limits because they need to know where the limits are. You know, they don't test the limits because they're mad at you or angry at you or they're bad people. It's because they need to know what the limits are. And so what parents need to do is step in and they need to set limits so the child goes, okay, I can go this far but not any further. And so all kids test the limits. So I think you're right that sometimes parents, and I think this may be particularly true of men, but probably of some women as well, they feel that somehow if their children is misbehaving, it must be their fault. They must have done something wrong. And that other parents, you know, their kids are never having those kinds of issues. All kids have issues. All do. All parents at times feel overwhelmed. All parents do. And it's at those moments that's important. We have those social networks to be able to reach out to and get support and understand that this is not an uncommon experience of parenting. Young parents always want to know, is it normal? Is what my child is doing, is that normal, whatever normal means? <laughs> do all children do this? Because they all think it's just their own. That's exactly right. And, you know, that's where it's important to also reach out for information because sometimes things aren't normal. Sometimes a language delay is not just within the normal range. Sometimes a language delay does signal that there's a larger issue. Sometimes motor skills delays can signal a larger issue. And so there are times when it is important to seek, and it's okay to seek, professional help as well if there are issues that seem to be out of the ordinary. How has being a parent changed you personally? It's a wonderful question. Uh, and I've, I've reflected on this a lot, actually, in my life. And I grew up in a big family. I had five brothers and a sister. And we were all sort of tightly packed. And so the big challenge in my life as a kid growing up was being noticed. So the whole thing was about being noticed. It was all about me. What parenting did is, for the first time, it allowed me to be much less focused on myself and focused on someone else. And so it made me less selfish and it made me less narcissistic. It made me less self-centered and more concerned about others. I think through that experience, I've become more giving in my relationship with other people, more I tend to be a little bit more noticing of the needs of others. And I'm a clinical psychologist. I should be good at this. But it was, uh, uh, just naturally, I guess, or through my training. But it really was the experience of becoming a father that kind of transformed that for me. It's a wonderful thing to now be more focused on others and less focused on myself. I know that's true for most women. I don't know if most men recognize it. I think they experience it in many cases. I'm not sure they recognize that. You know, here's the most controversial thing I'm going to say today, which is <laughs> men and women are different. Uh, Imagine and, that. <laughs> uh, you know, not always, and there's always exceptions, and there's overlap and all of that, and I don't want to overstate it, but I think that the reason why we started the National Fatherhood Initiative back in 1994 was because we wanted to speak to men. A uh, frequent question we had at that time was, why didn't you call it the National Parenting Initiative? <laughs> and we said, because when most men hear the word parent, they translate it into mother. 
and they think it's really about the mother and what the mother is doing. And so we wanted to be very direct and say, no, this is about men, the male experience about parenting, and which is this thing we call fathering and fatherhood. And I think that the experience is a little bit different, and the tools and the ways that you reach out to men and provide them support is a little bit different, and that's okay. Along with that, would you give that kind of advice to new parents who are just starting out in this growth experience? Would you start with the fathers? I think you start with both, obviously, but I think that the men need to understand that it's okay for them to ask questions about that uh, and for there to be outreach to men as in their role as fathers. There's a wonderful guy named Greg Bishop who started a program called Boot Camp for New Dads. And he was a medical supply salesman in his day job. But one of the things that he experienced when he had his first child is that they went to the hospital for the, you know, pre-birth tour. And he said all of the conversation, all of the instruction was was to the mind. It was like he was like invisible uh, during that tour. And he said, we got to change that. We have to make it so that men, when they're going through that experience, people are directing at least a piece of that to the men and not just to the mothers. And so he started this thing called Poop Camp for New Dads in which hospitals now across the country have programs that are specifically related to the experience of new fathers. So they reach out to men whose partners are pregnant and are going to be delivering in that hospital and provide an experience for those men by themselves either before the child is born or just after the child is born. That's a wonderful program. Well, this is obviously a conversation that could go on for a very long time. But before we close, some of our listeners want to explore further all the ideas that we've been discussing. So what would you advise for resources for them? If you're a man and you're interested in fathering information and then a resource that I continue to direct people to, perhaps I'm a little bit biased, is the National Fatherhood Initiative. And their website is www.fatherhood.org. And, uh, you know, lots of nice resources there. So I think there's lots of local parenting groups that you can find out, you know, through your local community centers, as well as websites and books that are out there. Don't be afraid to pick up a parenting book. And I guess the caveat is not to feel that one person or one book or one source has the answer if you don't agree or you think it's kind of strange. Just like, I guess, a meal. You don't have to have all one vegetable. Absolutely, absolutely. And the other thing is, at the end of the day, do the best you can. Know you're going to make mistakes. Enjoy the experience because, as all of us know, our kids grow up all too fast. And don't beat yourself up if you, you know, lose your temper once in a while or you, you, didn't, you weren't perfectly consistent in the way that you treated your kids. Love them with all your heart and be as consistent as you can but know that you're going to make mistakes and enjoy it. That's a wonderful way to end this. And <laughs> Dr. Wadehorn, we are so delighted that you could be with us again. And what a great topic to discuss. So thank you so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure. The best way to get in touch with Parents Perspective is to email us at parentsper at gmail.com. Our first listener will receive an autographed copy of our book, Raising a Successful Child, Discover and Nurture Your Child's Talents. Just email us at parentsper at gmail.com and give us your name and snail mail address and mention show number 503. Tell us, if you can, what station you're tuning into. Visit our website, www.parentsperspective.org where you can even listen to a show of your choice 
or check us out at facebook.com slash parentsperspective. This is Sandy Bird and Linda Perlis. We're glad you could share Parents Perspective. Today's program was made possible with generous support from you, our listeners, to whom we are very grateful. Our sound engineer is Kent Hitchcock. Music for this program was composed and performed by Jonathan Burt. <laughs>